I'm Donnie Dipple with CHB Consulting, LaGrange, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. Why don't you jump on in with me and buckle up? Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, beef is winning with consumers. Well, poultry and pork may sell more pounds of meat, but when it comes to getting the consumer's dollar, beef is king. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. A positive case of equine herpes has been reported in Hood County of North Central Texas. The horse was in attendance at a recent rodeo in Denver, Colorado. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have more details on Texas Ag Today. We still have about two months before planting time begins in the Texas High Plains, so what's the outlook for rain between now and then? I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. A major event in American agriculture is occurring this month. Can you guess what it is? Hello, I'm Barry Mahler. I'll tell you about it in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Retail beef prices have been rising for quite some time, but consumers continue to be willing to pay for high-quality beef. That's a very positive sign for the industry when you consider the competition with pork and poultry. Randy Block of Cattle Facts says we may not be selling as much beef as we are of those other two meats, But there's no question that beef wins the battle for consumers' cash. Beef today would make up about 28% of the protein consumption of beef, pork, and poultry. So 28% of the total, yet when you look at the dollars spent, the increase in spending in the last 20 years, beef has had over 50% of of the total spending increase, which is just a reflection that It's separating itself from the other proteins. It's the go-to protein. Uh, Obviously, we can't compete with poultry from a volume standpoint. We've got chicken everywhere, and they can produce it at cheaper prices. So I think when the industry figured out that if we need to focus on one battle, it's the pocketbook battle, not the stomach battle. One key to winning that battle has been the beef industry's laser focus on improving quality. In the year 2000, only 57% of cattle graded choice. In 2021, that number had risen to 75%. Same thing with prime. In 2000, only 3% of cattle graded prime. In 2020, that had more than tripled to 10%. One bright spot in Texas agriculture over the past year has been the horse business. 
Larry Joyner raises and sells horses on his East Texas ranch in Angelina County. And he says this past year has been a great one for selling horses at a very good price. And that may be due to a very popular television show. I've had some people tell me, well, it's because of Yellowstone. You know, they want to ride horses. They want to be a cowboy. Well, that's fine with me because the prices of horses are absolutely good. Good horses are selling good. So keep Yellowstone on the TV channel and maybe they'll keep it up. Unfortunately, that was about the only bright spot on Joyner's operation last year as the drought drastically cut into his hay supplies and cattle herd. There are less sheep in the U.S. now than ever before. The U.S. sheep and lamb inventory totals 5.02 million head as of January 1st. That's 45,000 head below last year and the lowest on record. The number of breeding sheep is 3.67 million head, down 1% from 2022. And there was a 2% decline in the lamb crop to 3.11 million head, another record low. This year's first case of equine herpes virus has been detected in Hood County. Tom Nicoletti has more. My guest today is Waco veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. The Texas Animal Health Commission received confirmation of equine herpes myeloencephalopathy in a Hood County quarter horse on February the 9th. This is the first positive detection of this disease in Texas this year. It can cause respiratory disease, abortion, and neurologic disease, and this is the neurologic form, which is the most important. This horse was showing some neurologic signs, including muscle control loss in the behind limbs or ataxia. Fortunately, the local veterinary clinic did a great job by placing the horse under quarantine and testing the horse. So this is a really serious problem, and this disease is contagious. Unfortunately, even though we vaccinate horses for herpes virus, there is no vaccine to prevent the neurologic form. So what should horse uh, owners do across the state at this time? The positive horse attended the National Western Stock Show rodeo event in Denver, Colorado on January the 20th and 21st of this year and then returned to the premises in Hood County. The horse then developed symptoms. Anyone that was at that rodeo or had horse at that rodeo needs to be very aware of their horse and check the temperature of the horse twice a day and any horses that get a temperature of above 102 need to contact their veterinarian for at least 14 days you need to check the temperature so equine herpes virus can be fatal especially the neurologic form some of these horses become unable to stand and become recumbent then have to be euthanized for that reason it is not contagious to people but it is a neurologic disease of horses symptoms are nasal discharge lack of coordination hindquarters weakness, leaning or resting against a wall, lethargy, head tilt, and diminished tail tone. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There are still a couple of months before spring planting begins on the Texas High Plains. James Hunt takes a look at the outlook for rain in those couple of months. We have had a dry winter overall in the Texas High Plains, and Mike Gittinger of the National Weather Service Amarillo office knows our recent moisture events haven't made much of a difference. The soil moisture is just so poor. We can get some snow that might melt down to a quarter inch in places. That's not going to initiate any growth here. (laughs) It's not enough, you know. It's going to take an inch or two to really get things primed to where the planting will do much good. But the good news is the La Nina weather pattern that has fueled our drought appears to be ending. It's really on its last leg. 
looking at the water temperature, we've been seeing pretty significant warming in the eastern Pacific off the coast of South America. And the average water temperature further offshore where they measure it is still about a half degree Celsius below normal, which is just right at the threshold. So I expect there's a pretty good chance that by the time they do the March average, the end of February maybe, but certainly by the end of March where they average that out, that it's going to be at a neutral phase. But Gittinger says it might not be until May before we see much improvement in our rain situation. However, forecasters seem to think our chances are good for entering an El Nino weather pattern sometime this year. They do this in three-month averages. So when you look at June, July, August, there's about a 47% chance of being in neutral, but about a 49% chance of an El Nino already has developed by that point. By the time we get to the three-month period of August, September, October, by the time you get to that three-month average period, the chance of an El Nino is up to 60%. Once again, that was Mike Gittinger of the National Weather Service Amarillo office. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A major event in American agriculture is occurring this month. Barry Mahler tells what it is. A major event in agriculture is occurring this month, not a trade deal or even the new farm bill, but the last John Deere moldboard plow rolls off the assembly line. Since 1837, John Deere has been the major manufacturer of moldboard plows, but the last plow, a six-bottom unit, was completed with a price tag of $67,000. And although we don't know where it will wind up, I would bet some collector has eyes on it and it may never engage the ground. This is so significant as the self-scouring plow that came out of John Deere's blacksmith shop became the symbol for American agriculture. So after all this time, why has production stopped? Well, shifts around the world to no-till and other reduced tillage practices over the last 50 years has reduced the demand for the plow. Although other manufacturers produce moldboard plows, Deere was always the leader. After the introduction, and by 1848, Deere was turning out 700 plows a year. That expanded to 15,000 plows annually just a few years later. By the mid-1950s, USDA estimated that 140,000 plows from numerous manufacturers were sold annually. With the popularity of no-till, minimum-till, plow numbers dwindled to fewer than 3,000 by the late 1980s. In 1972, 85% of U.S. farm ground was conventionally tilled, but from 72 to 2018, U.S no-till increased from 3.2 million acres to 109 million acres, and around the world, no-till acres stood at 507 million in the early 2000s. The switch from conventional tillage has many reasons, ranging from better seeding technology to improved herbicides, crop varieties, but the main reason is the discovery of the tremendous reduction in the loss of nutrients and topsoil that minimum to no-till agriculture has provided. You know, growing up in the tillage era, I remember my dad saying, the more you plow, the better crop you grow. And that was the main train of thought at that time. But on the other hand, one of the most often quoted lines by no-till proponents in an 80-year-old quote now from a book that was Edwin Faulkner's book that says, nobody has ever advanced a scientific reason for plowing. So I guess the move from the moldboard was inevitable, but it does provide a landmark in the history of American agriculture. Reporting from the Rolling Plains, I'm Barry Muller for Texas Ag Today. Equine herpes isn't the only horse disease raising its ugly head right now. Equine infectious anemia is showing up as well. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Earlier in the show, we talked about the first equine herpes virus case of this year, but there's another horse disease showing up as well. Dr. Bob Judd says this one is equine infectious anemia. Even all horse owners may not recognize the disease name of equine infectious anemia or even the acronym EIA. However, you likely will recognize the test for the disease called the Coggins test. The horses in Midland County were confirmed positive after testing was performed to meet regulatory requirements. All horses in Texas that are participating in any equine event must have a Coggins test performed by your veterinarian once a year. In fact, if you have a horse that is going to be around another horse that is not on your property, both horses need to be tested. Or if the horse is going to be out in a public area where other horses could be present, those horses also need to be tested. The infected premise in Midland County has been quarantined and will not be released until the TAHC requirements for release are met. The local veterinarians and staff of TAHC are working together to determine other potentially exposed horses and possibly the source of infection. Dr. Andy Schwartz is a state veterinarian, and he indicates this is a good reminder that EIA is present in our state, and good biosecurity should always be a priority. He went on to say that investigation of cases indicate that humans are often playing a role in the transmission of EIA. Although it can be transmitted from horse to horse by biting flies, it can also be transmitted by using the same needles or other contaminated medical equipment between horses. EIA is an incurable infectious viral disease spread through blood-to-blood contact, and symptoms include fever, weight loss, weakness, anemia, and swelling of the lower legs and abdomen. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Combating harmful plants and wildlife is an ongoing battle here in Texas. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. It is National Invasive Species Awareness Week, and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking all Texans to join in the fight against harmful, non-native plants and wildlife that can negatively impact the state's natural resources and wildlife. Invasive species, like feral hogs, can cause environmental or economic damage and harm to human health and quality of life. They can be expensive to control and can be impossible to eradicate once established. They can damage crops, fisheries, forests, and more. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, recent estimates show that invasive species cost about $219 billion across the U.S. each year. Many invasive species, like zebra mussels, are spread either inadvertently or intentionally by humans. So we play an important role in preventing their spread to new areas. There are five ways that Texans can help prevent the spread or slow the spread of invasive species. They are 1. Never dump anything, fish, animals, or plants out of an aquarium into water bodies. 
Two is use your bait where you catch it. Do not dump leftover bait in the water at the end of a fishing trip. Number three is choose native plants when you're landscaping. Four, when enjoying outdoor recreation, clean your gear before entering and leaving recreation sites and only use local firewood. And number five is clean, drain, and dry your boat and gear when leaving a water body. These tips are available on the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department website, tpwd.texas.gov. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. All of our agricultural markets were closed on Monday because of the President's Day holiday. So we'll take a quick look back at how the trade wrapped up on Friday. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. All of our markets were closed on Monday for the President's Day holiday, so here's a quick look back at how the trade wrapped up on Friday. We saw an up and down trade in the cattle complex on Friday. When it all wrapped up on the close, we ended up higher on the live cattle market, mostly lower on feeder cattle. February live cattle up 80 cents, 163.57. The April up 57, 164.65. With June up 40 cents, 160.12. Feeder cattle lower on all except the nearby March. It was up 30 cents, 186.52. April feeders down 15 at 190.45. May feeder cattle down 12 at 194.35. Cash fed cattle trade mostly quiet throughout the week. We had some early sales at 161. Then on Friday, we saw some 162 sales. So that makes the market two bucks higher compared to the previous week. Up north, dressed cattle sold from 252 to 258. That is two to three dollars higher compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices higher on Friday. Choice up $1.49 at 28104. Select up 325 26589. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Here's my auctioneer Troy. He's going to sell this calf while we talk to Klein Spear, Southwest Livestock Exchange Uvalde. Sheep and goats Tuesday, cattle on Thursday. Klein, how'd that Thursday cattle sale go? Went well. We had 909 head. Uh, Packer cows and bulls, I saw pretty much steady, but last week didn't see much change there. Those calves and yearlings steady to a couple dollars better. Uh, those good calves and yearlings still just dollaring out lots of dollars here. It's uh, good to see this market where it's at. Those number one choice steers, $1.45 to $1.75. Lightweights, $1.75 to $2.40. Choice heifers, $1.40 to $1.75. And those lightweights, $1.70 to $2.35. Crossbred steers, $1.35 to $1.65. And those lightweights, $1.55 to $2.05. Crossbred heifers, $1.15 to $1.55. Lightweights, $1.50 to $2. Uh, had some stalker cows again this week, $80 to $1.20 a pound on them. Those packer bulls, $90 to $1.15. Those breaker cows, $78 to $102. Cutters and canners were $55 to $73. And those shelly cows, $25 to 
alive. Uh, had one plain pair today, 750. Had a really nice young pair, brought 1300. And the red cows today, 675 to 1300. So, sure, lots of demand on any kind of replacement heifers and young cows coming through. So, good to see a few staying around. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you next week, Klein, there in U Valley for the Sheep and Goats Tuesday Cattle Thursday. Call us the office, 830-278-5621, or my cell phone, 830-591-3241. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. Bye-bye. Neighbor, that's our livestock auction market report for today. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finish lower on Friday. April hogs down 50 cents, 85.27. May hogs down 45 at 94.40. Class 3 milk also lower. February milk down 4 cents, 17.88 a hundredweight. The March contract down 2 cents at 17.62 a hundred. A lower close in the cotton market on Friday. The outside markets continue to pressure cotton prices. A strong dollar, a weaker Dow. And slow demand, all bearish factors in the cotton trade Friday. March cotton down 100 points, closing at 80.25. May down 50 points, 81.50, while new crop December was down 22 at 82.25. It was a slow trade in the grain markets on Friday. Traders trying to get out of town for the three-day weekend. Of course, the markets closed on President's Day in observance of that federal holiday. The corn market finishing slightly higher. March corn up one and three quarters, six seventy-seven and three quarters. September corn up two cents at six ten and three quarters. We did see some strength in the hard wheat market Friday. March Kansas City wheat up eight cents, nine oh six and a half. New crop July up eight and a half, eight eighty-three and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up a quarter penny, closing the week at seven eighty-one a bushel. In the energy markets, March natural gas down 10 cents Friday at 228. March West Texas crude down $1.93 at 76.56 a barrel. The financial markets were mixed Friday afternoon. The Dow up 130 points at 33,826. The Nasdaq down 68, 11,787. The S&P down 11 at 4,079. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.